This is episode number 129, and today I'll explain how your convictions can actually backfire. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. My name is Travis Albritton, your friendly neighborhood Bible teacher, and every day we'll dive into the tips, tricks, and hacks that you can implement in your daily life to become a more effective Christian. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of Practical Christian Training. Now before we even dive into the rest of this episode, I want to make a short disclaimer. It is super important to hold strong to your convictions. Convictions are what allow us to move in and, and live in the world without constantly having to rehash the same information, right? Having a conviction that Jesus was raised from the dead by God is something that you should investigate, make a decision about, and then hold on to for the rest of your life. You don't have to go through that same process every single day. But there are certain convictions that we should hold more strongly on to than others. And in fact, there are times when holding to your conviction is and, and really imposing your conviction on someone else is the opposite of what Jesus would want you to do. And that seems kind of contradictory. So what I want to do is break down a key passage in the book of Romans that talks about this and then also talk about what those key takeaways are for us. How do we hold con- to our convictions, but then apply them appropriately in our interactions with others? And so in Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 1, Paul addresses what he calls the weak and the strong. And he says this, starting in verse 1, he says, Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters, or without fighting over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, belong, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. And then jumping down to verse 19, Paul continues, he said, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. And so there's a lot to unpack in that passage, but hopefully you started to pick up on some common themes. And uh, just to give you an idea, Paul is not talking about vegetarians here. He is talking about the, the clashing and the bringing together of the Jewish tradition and the Jewish law in regards to uh, not eating certain food, 
certain days being holier than others, and unifying that with the Gentile perspective. Right. So that is the that that is specifically the 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 thing that he's trying to address. But I think there's a couple key takeaways that we should hold to and really understand as we live out our convictions in the presence of our brothers and sisters. So the first one is to remember that God has accepted them. God has accepted them. And this is important uh, because it's very easy to judge one another, to treat each other with contempt in a really negative way when someone does not share our convictions, right? And we can even impose our own man-made standards on our brothers and sisters and say things like, well, if you were a real disciple, you wouldn't do that. Or if you really were close to God, you would do it this way. Or I can't believe that you think that about that thing. And so what we're communicating is that because our faith has, a cert, you know, has given us certain convictions, that it is unacceptable for other people to have different convictions. And so what we have to go back to is this really interesting nugget in verse 3, where it says, The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does for God has accepted them. God has accepted your brother and your sister. He's accepted them with their convictions. He's accepted them with their flaws. And it is in their imperfections that God has made per- that God's power is made known. And so as we're talking about our convictions and interacting with people that have different convictions, we have to start from the place that God has accepted them. That is a truth. That is something that we have to start from. The second key point that I want to take away from this passage is God's or, or Paul's encouragement to be fully convinced in your own mind, right? And so he's talking about the Sabbath and he's talking about, you know, one person considers one day more sacred than another and another person considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Why? Well, because the person that considers one day to be more sacred does so to the glory of God in order to give thanks to God. And whoever sees all days as being equally holy in the same way, gives glory to God and gives thanks to God. And so God clearly allows for a diversity of opinion when it comes to these kinds of things, these disputable matters is what Paul talks, calls them at the beginning of this passage. So the goal is not for us to all be carbon copies of each other and to have exactly the same beliefs and have exactly the same convictions. What we should be uh, you know, pursuing is unity, unity in our pursuit, unity in our mission and in our purpose. And if in the process of bringing all these people together with, with different backgrounds and different convictions and different, uh, you know, understanding is about what it means to follow God. We should all, uh, you know, have our own strong convictions and allow others to have different convictions. You know, one, one area where this has been particularly poignant for me recently is in my interview that I did a couple weeks ago with Michael Burns about race culture in the church that, you know, we, depending on your cultural upbringing and what he calls a meta narrative that you grew up with, basically how you see yourself in, uh, in the, in view of the grander scope of society is going to impact how you interpret different things. And that is okay to have different perspectives. It's okay. And it's healthy to, to bring that diversity of culture into the church. And so in a similar way, we should have a diversity of convictions about these kinds of disputable matters. And disputable matters just meaning the things that are not foundational, the things that are extra, 
on top of that foundational level. And then the third key point that I think is important for us to take away is at the very end, where Paul gives us this uh, call to make every effort for mutual edification. And there's a couple other scriptures that ring true when I think about this idea of mutual edification. The first one is in Ephesians 4. Actually, they're both in Ephesians 4, but at the beginning of Ephesians 4, Paul says that we're supposed to maintain unity through the bonds of peace and that that is glorifying to God, that we should seek to be at peace with each other. And then later in Ephesians 4.29, Paul says that in our speech with each other, we should only say what is helpful for edifying the other person, for building the other person up according to their needs. And that edification is more important than being right in the sense of our convictions about disputable matters. And even going so far as to say that you can derail God's work in someone's life by inappropriately imposing your personal convictions about those disputable matters on them by creating a stumbling block in their faith. And so we should make every effort for mutual edification and accept that there is going to be a difference of opinion quite often, but that that is totally fine because God has accepted them as your brother and sister. And we are certainly not going to get in the way of God's will. And at the end of the day, it's important to remember we are all equal at the foot of the cross, right? So let us continue to keep our personal convictions at the forefront of our lives. Let us to continue to live them out uh, faithfully and knowing that each of us is doing all that we can to honor and glorify God. And let us be discerning about which fights and arguments and discussions we choose to dive into and that we strive for mutual edification and unity above uniformity. Well, that is it for today. Make sure to smash that subscribe button to get daily practical tips just like this one. Leave a review in Apple Podcasts for your chance to get a shout out as the super fan of the week. And make sure to head over to the podcast Facebook group to connect with me and help decide future episode topics. Every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God and make a positive impact on the people around you. Take action with what you've learned and help make the world a little more like heaven. I'm Travis Albritton, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.